Karina Kilcoin is a former trial attorney who specialized in criminal defense. She is now sharing her personal stories of trauma and healing in her newest book, Rise Above the Story. Welcome to the show, Karina. Hi, George. Thanks for having me. I'm just Hi. so excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. You know, it's interesting. I listen to your podcast and I enjoy it very much. And I know that you often start with this question and I have been thinking about it and how interesting it is with the people you have on whose personal life and their experiences dovetail so beautifully into their life's work when they're living in this sense of service and purpose and wanting to share their mission. And I would say that I am aligned completely in that perspective as well. So my work and what I do, I, as you said, I am a retired lawyer, but uh, for the last eight years, I have been on this healing journey and I have been writing this book, Rise Above the Story, because I wanted to create for everybody out there listening who's suffered from trauma and suppressed energy around their trauma and their emotions. I wanted to write the definitive guidebook on how to free yourself from that trauma and rewrite and rise above those limiting stories that we create because of the trauma we experience. And this all started for me a long time ago. So everybody's going to have to do a little time travel with me. Um, I had a pretty traumatic childhood early on. And the real big turning point for me when I was about 12 and my father was sentenced to the federal penitentiary. And when he left, we had, you know, we struggled financially and my mother was just really not in a great space mentally or emotionally to handle the pressure of what was going on in our family. I had younger, a younger brother and a sister, and I really forfeited my childhood to help take care of everybody. My mother, my younger brother and sister, you know, we, I was, I ended up borrowing money from people, asking strangers for money to buy food and help pay our bills, keep the electricity on. And that trauma I experienced really put me in a space where I started to write these stories about myself that, that I was unworthy of pretty much anything, including a childhood. Right. And I felt abandoned and just had a lot of shame about what I experienced. Years later, when I was 24, my mother died of cancer. And by then she had had my youngest brother. I adopted him and I raised him and I suppressed every bit of trauma and the emotions I had around it. And I was so ashamed of where I had come from. I went on to become an attorney and I felt like I really had to excel and exceed and hide who I was and become this different person. And so while during the day I became the successful criminal defense attorney and I was representing people and fighting for their freedom, I was internally and emotionally just anxietist and depressed and lost. And I felt like an imposter in my own life. And after a couple of really near rock bottom setbacks, I knew I had to get right and I had to heal those inner wounds and I had to really unearth a lot of my trauma. And that, George, is what set me on this course eight years ago 
of really researching and healing and figuring out what I needed to do to unearth that pain and rise above those old limiting stories I had. Yikes. What a, I'm, I'm so sorry that those things happened. Well, thank you for saying that. But, you know, now I realize with a little gratitude that everything that happened shaped me into who I am today. So I take it from there. It's it's that that was sort of my follow up is are are you sorry that it happened? Or you know, or are you grateful? It's that's a weird thing. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's and I think that, you know, we all kind of go through that and it's a an emotional and mental evolution. And it's I think a big part of the rise above the story formula. And what I believe in so much is that sense of shifting shifting out of that kind of just mental story that plays and plays and plays in your, in the emotional part of your brain and getting to a part and shifting that all to like your, the thinking part of your brain where you understand and have compassion for yourself and what you've been through. And I think when you can get to that space, which took me quite a while, (laughs) when you get to that space, you can find that gratitude, that silver lining for what happened. And that, is such a beautiful place to sit when you are trying to heal from something so traumatic. That makes a lot of sense. What what was it that you were so shamed of? Was it your dad going to prison that for that you felt like you were then forced? And it's how 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 I'm I'm trying to to find the unworthiness, although I certainly felt unworthy for a lot of my life and had, didn't have to go through any of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't it true? And it's so sad. I feel like we all kind of have that experience of feeling unworthy and we don't really talk about it, right? It's something we just kind of suppress and harbor and and yeah. and fester. Um, but for me, the the shame and the shame and the unworthiness came so young and it was because, yes, you're right. I mean, kind of this feeling of being the daughter of a felon mm-hmm. and what that meant at school and what that meant in society. And, you know, and it, there was a stigma to it to me at the time. And what's so interesting is, is that now that all these years have gone by, you know, there's all these statistics out now. Like, it's like, I don't know, one in five people have had a family member go to prison or be incarcerated. And so, but when you're young, you don't know that. And so that was the sense of unworthiness. And then what came after it, the the poverty, the the doing without, hmm. the, you know, it's like nothing really felt like I go to school and there wasn't the joy in going to school and friendships. Like I didn't want to have people to my house, right? I didn't have a normal family. My mom wasn't up in the kitchen making cookies. And, you know, it's just, I didn't have that type of an upbringing. So the shame came just from little by little, day after day, this culmination of feeling so different and not knowing any better or different. I let that become a weakness to me. And then I was less than and unworthy of. And that's, and then it, it just never stopped until my healing journey, right? It just kept growing and growing because those stories kept looping in my head, no matter what I achieved, no matter what I did. So that's when I realized I needed to shift out of that and 
changed the way my brain was processing that old trauma. I want to talk about how you did that. Um, if you don't mind, I'm fascinated. You're 24 years old, having come through all of this. Then your mom dies. You make the decision to adopt your, your nine-year-old brother. I mean, was that a feeling like, obviously I'm going to do this? Or is it like, holy cow, I can't believe this is happening, but obviously I'm going to do it. Tell me a little bit about that. I would say both, you know, it was just like you said, a little bit of, I can't believe this is happening. My mom had been sick for a couple of years. And then the last year of her life, I caught on that this was not going to end well. And my youngest brother that I adopted, we had different fathers. And I knew given the situation, he had, my youngest brother had no one else but me. Hmm. So I knew what was coming. And quite honestly, I mean, you know, I had always been his, like his second mother, just because of the shape my mother was in health wise. So I had some idea, right. Of how to care for him. But at 24 years old with a nine-year-old, I obviously did not know everything. And sure. it, it, yeah. And it was, uh, and, and it was quite, it was quite, interesting as things evolved, as you could imagine, right? Going to, to t- parent teacher conferences and showing up as, you know, 24, 25 years old and the teachers not understanding and me not understanding and add to it, I'm trying to work as a new lawyer, making money to support us and learning how to be a lawyer. And that's very taxing. So in a way, interestingly enough, it felt like a continuation of trauma to me because I was put in this position, which of course I took on this responsibility out of complete love for my brother, but it was still a lot to take on. And it did not give me the space to properly process my mother's death. Right. So I did not grieve that. And I didn't grieve the loss of my life and my personal freedom, right? I was now a parent. I didn't process and grieve any of that. In fact, a therapist told me you shifted into survival mode, right? And I feel like a lot of my life I had been in fight or flight survival mode, but I really shifted into it then because I had all this responsibility. And I know there's a lot of people out there listening who may not have adopted their brother, but they have this huge sense of responsibility of caretaking for others and what that does to you and how you you lack the sense of self-care and and how you suppress your own needs and your own emotions and what that does to you internally and the dis-ease it causes in your emotional and mental well-being. And so yeah, it's a it it was it was a lot to take on, but I did it and and the way I did it, I had to continue on suppressing my own grief and emotions until years later when I felt like I had the space to finally process them. Oh my goodness. All right. So you get to the point where you recognize these feelings of less than an unworthiness, all these stories and experiences also, as I suppose, just keep looping and keep looping. And you realize I need to make a change here. Did you think this is something that's possible or I just need to figure this out, whether it's possible or not, because something needs to be different? 
Uh, I'd say the la- I'd say the latter. It was very much. I felt as though, and there were really two phases for me in the healing journey, and and a little bit of a start stop. And this is, I think, also a common a common thing that happens when people are on a healing journey. I had a really bad relationship and breakup in my mid thirties. And it really caused me to think about why am I choosing these types of people in my life? Hmm. And it was because I was coming from this space of unworthiness and fear and living in fight or flight and having this addiction to chaos, right? And wanting these kind of people subconsciously pulling and attracting these type of people into my life. And that was my first foray into healing. And what 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 did that look like and why was i doing it and that was a big that was a big leap for me and i really started full on into therapy and i did a lot of self work i began yoga and meditating and journaling and digging into things and reading books and really trying to understand why i was choosing who i was choosing i spent a lot of time alone i learned how to finally be alone i'd never been alone And that was so huge to learn how to be comfortable and feel safe being quiet and at peace by myself. And then I got to a certain level of healing and I thought, oh, I'm fine. How many times do do we do that? Right. Oh, I'm good. I don't need to go to therapy anymore. I'm good. And then about um, five or six years after that, I had a beloved dog, a golden retriever, who had, unbeknownst to me, I never trained him to do this or anything. He became my emotional support dog. And I was still having, you know, anxiety and depression. And when he was seven, he got very sick and he ended up dying of cancer at a young age. And oddly enough, it was 20, almost 20 years to the day when my mother died of cancer. Mm. And the grief I felt when this beautiful dog died, it was actually my first experience with unconditional love. And when he died, this grief just rolled out of me. And I, I, I just cried. I couldn't stop crying. And I caught on like, this isn't just about Finn. This is about all kinds of other things. These memories of my mother, of my childhood, all these old memories came up. And that was when I really really had to get real about how I was feeling and what I was still holding back. So to answer your question, I didn't know if it was possible and I didn't exactly know how to do it, but I knew it had to be done. And I knew that I had to do this if I was going to change my life. I appreciate all that. All right. So from that moment to where we are today, you you obviously have. Is it work that you're ever going to stop doing? Is it ever done? No, 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 no. And that's one of the things that I love to talk about and teach and reassure people with is that healing is never a one and done. In my experience, it is, you know, two steps forward, one step back. You, you will have a long time where you feel good and solid and peaceful and healthy, and then something will happen and it will trigger you back into your old stories. And it took me in my process, I read all the books, right? All the books. There's so many 
well-written, heady, brilliant books out there about trauma and the way your brain works during trauma. Gabor Mate, Bessel van der Kolk. I mean, you name it, they're brilliant, brilliant books. And I've read them all. And I realized that what was so needed and what was so important in, in, in the world to, to a lot of people, a lot of people probably listening to the show too, is that you, I wanted to distill all that down for people because that's what it took me to heal. I had to understand and take all of that and understand what does that really mean? How is my brain really working? So the way I came up with it that really helped me heal, and this is what I, I just wanted to shout from the rooftops, is 90% of this is understanding, becoming self-aware of how your brain works. So in my distillation of the science is that there's two parts to your brain, your emotional brain, which is all your fight or flight, your heart rate, your temperature, your breathing, the things you don't think about. And then there's your thinking brain, which is, you know, the higher level thinking and it's your cortex, your prefrontal cortex. And it's where you have compassion and empathy and self-awareness. And when I understood that I was actually caught up in fight or flight, and when you're in fight or flight, your brain tries to keep you safe. So it writes stories around things to keep you safe. It fills you with fear. Don't do that. Somebody might not like it. Don't do that. People won't like you. Don't do that. And in the process of those stories looping in your head, you are no longer brave. You do not seek love. You do not seek intimacy. In fact, you're afraid of it. You don't seek connection because our brain is hardwired for survival first and foremost. So when I understood how my brain was working to keep me safe and filling me with fear, keeping me from real love, keeping me from connecting, and I could change the way my brain worked and was processing with my self-awareness, I wanted to, to let everybody know exactly how to do that too, because it was the biggest shift that I had in healing. It was that, and it was a lot of introspection and unearthing old pain and processing that with objective language and understanding that nothing that happened to me happened to me because I deserved it. I think a lot of us fall into this victim mode. And there was just a lot, a lot of moving pieces that over years came together and everything that I learned and everything that worked for me, I wanted to put in one place that was accessible for people. Well, I appreciate that so much. So scary if I feel like, and I think that we all the worst thing that happened to me is the worst thing that ever happened to me, whether it's I, I, mm -hmm. I skinned my knee when I was five or I went through some of the experiences similar to 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 you. It's just personal to us and we carry that with us. It causes us to to accept less, to feel unworthy, to feel undeserving, to not do the things that we truly want to do in our lives. So. But it's scary to stare at that stuff, to look at that stuff, to examine it. What is what is your advice to people when 
when they are apprehensive about going into those dark places, what is the benefit that you've experienced of doing this work? That's a, that's a great question. And it's, it's multifaceted, I believe. So I feel that early on for me, I definitely needed to find a safe space to do that in, right? I had to find a good therapist. I had to find different modalities in order to pull this trauma, this hurt, this pain out of me, because I knew that I had to, to go through this darkness if I wanted to heal. So I started with traditional therapy. I then tried all kinds of different modalities, breath work, um, all, you know, hypnosis, all sorts of things to bring things out. And I will say that once they started to come out and I processed them, the big takeaway for me was when I started to look at my trauma and the stories I'd written about my trauma objectively. So there's the subjective way to look at something where, as you were saying, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And because it happened to me now, I'm so ashamed and I'm so unworthy. And to give you an example, in my own life, my old story used to be, um, yeah, you know, I'm a felon's daughter and no one's going to like me because of that. Or, um, you know, I grew up with without, you know, normal things like, you know, sometimes we couldn't take a hot shower, blah, blah, blah. And therefore, I'm so filled with shame that I don't want to go to school and really talk to anybody. And when I really started to think about it, how could I objectively look at what happened to me? And how can I objectively look at or what I went through and objectively look at how I process it and how I define it? My story and acknowledging my story and my trauma started to sound more like this. Because my father went to prison, factual, I wrote the untrue story about myself that I was unworthy of connection. Or because my father went to prison, I wrote an untrue story that I was unworthy of certain things. And when I started to see that there's a different way to talk about my pain and my trauma and the story I wrote about it, I shifted out of this victim mode. I started to realize like this isn't this isn't stuff that that because it happened now I have to live the rest of my life in this less than role. That's not why we're here. The one thing I know for sure is we are not meant to go through life taking it on the chin about every bad thing that happens or that we experience. We are meant to live a beautiful, empowered, wonderful life. We are not meant to go through life feeling less than and unworthy than. We should be going through life expecting the good things to happen to us. And when we start learning how to objectively see what has occurred, it's amazing what happens. You have this shift out of victimhood and you have this shift out of, oh, woe is me. And you have more of a shift into, wow, I have a lot of compassion. That That's really, I really handled that well. I can't believe I went through that and look at where I am now. 
So shifting into that objectivity and that thinking part of your brain where you can be compassionate and empathetic is really crucial and identifying and, and pulling out that old hurtful stuff. That makes a lot of sense. I love it. Well, Karina, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they get their copy of Rise Above the Story? Rise Above the Story is sold everywhere books are sold. And you can learn more about me and the book at riseabovethestory.com. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Karina your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to riseabovethestory.com and learn more about everything that Karina has been talking about and get your copy of Rise Above the Story wherever you get your books. And like Karina, I've been talking about, or Karina has been talking about, and I've been chiming in occasionally. I think that we all have some trauma and unworthiness. And I know that I've benefited greatly from, from addressing it. Um, and I'm just have all the confidence in the world that you can as well. So if anything has resonated, which I'm sure it has do check out the website at least. And I encourage you to pick up a copy of the book and that she spent eight years working on this and writing it and distilling down so much information um, will certainly save you probably a lot of time and an effort. So thanks again, Karina. Thank you, George. It was wonderful being here. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best. <laughs>